Welcome, one and all, to another episode of Round 3 Speak, the podcast. We have another special edition today. Round 4 Speak is back. Again, for a Millennial Bracket episode. This time, we were having the best comedy movies of the 1990s. And they're all going to score off against each other. This will probably be a two-part episode. Uh, We are, again, without Patrick Henry. We miss him terribly and can't wait to have him back for the next show. But it takes two people to replace him, and those two are double his talent in, in identifying comedy. Those two are Mercy Warren and Goody Lady Lawson. Thank you for being here again today. You both did awesome on the last podcast, our highest rated show yet. So definitely had to have you back on. Also with us is Mr. Lawson, our former intelligence analyst. He's uncovered more conspiracies in the world of TV and movies than he has in the JFK or the missing Lindbergh baby uh, scandal. So just want to say, Mr. Lawson, America is very disappointed in you for not solving those yet. But pause for laughter. Thank you. The conspiracies of your terrible jokes open the show are still uh, ongoing. It's a good thing I have muting and editing power. (laughs) I am your author, Scott Burns. Your award-seeking author, Scott Barnes, I should say. I'm still looking for that first award. So, back by popular demand, we have another Bracket episode. Unlike the last one, I think I can safely say that we all have seen these movies, for the most part, I would say. Um, But for people in their late 20s, uh, in their 30s and 40s, I think every one of these 32 films that we've selected are known. Even if you aren't a fan of them, you know them. The 90s was a great time for comedy, You have Jim Carrey, Robin Williams, Ben Stiller, Mike Myers, and Adam Sandler, all in their comedic primes. All of these movies are honestly gold. Hopefully hopefully you out there have a fun time reflecting on these great films. And it's crazy and a little sad that these movies are somewhere between 20 and 30 years old. Um, But we have a ton of facts and trivia for each movie and an IMDb score handy as a tiebreaker. So if you haven't seen these movies, I'm guessing you'll want to after we go through them. I honestly think that any of these films could come out on top, but there's only one way to find out. Now, I just want to say really quick the rules. Uh, The pairings were randomly chosen. We each picked two movies to get a top group seating. So there's four groups all together, um, and the number one and number eight seeds of those groups, like so one, number one and number eight, number nine and 16, and so on, those are ones that we personally selected so they wouldn't have to pick face each other too early in the in the competition. So, but like number one will face number two, number three will face number four, and so on throughout we get, yeah. Um, so besides that, the orders were picked out of a hat. So some of these movies, it seems kind of unfair that they're against each other, but that's the way it is. So with all that out of the, out of the way, let's go and see which 90s comedy movie comes out on top. The first matchup pits two actors at the top of their game against each other. We got Mike Myers, uh, Austin Powers, and International Man of Mystery versus Adam Sandler's Wedding Singer. Let me pull up my data here. So, Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. 
Oh, okay. Well, anyway, we'll go with Wedding Singer first. So, Wedding Singer came out in 1998, had Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore, Christine Taylor, Alan Corvette. Um, and a fun little trivia I found with this one was Charlie Sheen and Jim Carrey were both originally written and considered for Glenn to be in the movie. Um, I like those kind of facts because you never know. Like, it's always interesting to see what that movie would have been like with, um, if it was different. And Awesome Powers, International Man of Mystery... Actually, sorry. It's I'm sorry. It's not Awesome Powers International Man of Mystery. It's The Spy Who Shagged Me. So the second one, which came out in 1999, starring Mike Myers, Heather Graham, Michael York, Minnie Sterling, Rob Lowe, Seth Green. And I think one of the funny things about this movie is uh, with Awesome Powers, um, The Spy Who Shagged Me, is that Mike Myers would stay in character all day no matter who he was. So this one story I heard where he was fat bastard, um, somebody's family member had just died. And so he came up and was like, oh, that's bloody awful. And in that fat bastard kind of a voice and just like everybody thought he was being so insensitive. But that's he's a method actor. So he had to stay in character for that. So I think that's pretty funny. Um, I like both of these movies and I have said a lot. I'm out of breath. So Mercy Warren, save me. First, I just want to say thank you to Lawson and Scott for having myself and Goody Lawson back. I know I'm really excited to be back and share my opinions on some 90s movies. Regarding these two movies, neither of them are my favorite, but I do have a soft spot for Adam Sandler movies, and I really do like the dynamic that he and Drew Barrymore have. So if we're doing a vote, my vote would go with the wedding center on this occasion. Not yet. That's too early. We, have, we still have to go around four. <laughs> I'm giving you my opinion now. Oh, fine. Well, we got Mercy Warren jumping the gun here a little bit. Can Mrs. Lawson or Mr. Lawson save us? I'm not going to knock Mercy because I did that a lot last week. So <laughs> you're forgiven. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much for having us back. This is so fun. I'm glad we get to talk about another topic and get to talk to you guys. This is awesome. And 25 listens. That's awesome, too. Keep listening, everyone. Thanks so much. Um, Wedding Singer is a movie that I will watch on TV. It's on TV a lot, and I'll, like, stop and watch it. I really like Adam Sandler. Um, a couple of fun facts. It's the first of three Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore movies. The first that they did together. Um, and this movie was also turned into a Broadway show. Uh, myself and my mother have seen it, and it was okay. I would say the movie was far better, um, but still a fun fact, and it had original songs. And also another fun fact about The Wedding Singer, Adam Sandler was a real wedding singer, so he probably had a lot of uh, research to go off of that. Um, the Austin Powers movie, I've seen it. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I like the mini-me, Dr. Evil, and dynamic in the movie that's probably my favorite part with those three characters and actors um another one of my favorite parts in that movie is when dr evil and number two are talking and that's mike myers and rob Lowe. and dr evil's kind of making fun of him like oh you're gonna cry uh like he has the big like bouncy ball world thing and that's actually um i'm full of fun facts here but that was taken from the Great Santini, which is a 1980 Robert Duvall movie. And that, that part actually wasn't scripted. Those two actors just really liked that movie. And they wanted to reference it and 
it made the movie. So uh, I'm going to stop talking and throw it over to Mr. Lawson. Hi guys, Dylan. Uh, thanks for having us on again. Uh, a lot of fun. Um, just wanted to say up front that if you are listening to this and there's a movie, you're like, oh my gosh, they didn't include this movie. Um, check the date because there were a bunch of them that I was gonna like thinking was, oh, that's in the '90s, and there it was like 1988, 1989, or like you know very early 2000s. So um, there's a bunch that kind of like happened all around the 1990s that I thought we were gonna include on this list, but didn't make it because they weren't actually um, in the 1990s. So, uh, The Wedding Singer, I feel like, is probably, like, there was that stretch of, um, there was Happy Gilmore, the Waterboy, Billy Madison, and the, um, Wedding Singer, and I feel like The Wedding Singer is probably third out of that group of movies, honestly, and it was after those group of movies. Um, you know, funny movie, not my, again, not my favorite Adam Sandler movie, um, but Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore, you kind of know what kind of movie you're going to get with that. And I think it was probably one of the best of those actual movies. Yeah. Um, Austin Powers is absolutely hilarious. Again, I, I'm the same way. I think the interactions between Scott and um, Dr. Evil are just hilarious. And then you also have uh, Mustafa, which was played by Will Ferrell, which I just kind of like forgot that he played that role. And I'm looking back, I'm like, yeah, it's pretty hilarious that he was in there. Um, I do think that it's kind of a rare situation where the spy who shagged me, which is actually the second version of this movie, I think is better than the original, um, the international, uh, Man of Mystery. Um, so that's actually, I think it's pretty rare to have a, like a sequel movie, like outperform the first. And so, uh, kudos to that movie for that. So really enjoy both these movies. I think it's a pretty good, strong opening and I'll send it back to Scott. Great points by everybody there. Enjoy the insight, love the facts, and the uh, and your opinions. Actually, I, another, because I'm glad you mentioned that, too, because for me, I was sure Meet the Parents was a 90s movie, but it was 2000, so it just missed out, because uh, that, that would have been in it. Um, and also, uh, Waterboy. I forgot about Waterboy. That's a great movie. I'm not saying it's not on the list, people, Waterboy fans. We just lost that dynamic. Anyway, let's get ahead with the voting. Um, both of them are... are Good movies, but one is much better than the other, and I'm going to go Awesome Powers 2, Spy Who Shagged Me, as my vote. I already gave my vote away, but The Wedding Singer is my vote. This one is kind of tough. I think if we're going to go more funny, I think I'm going to go with Awesome Powers. Even though The Wedding Singer was one of my choice of movies to put on the bracket, but I, I think funny-wise, I think Awesome Powers wins that. Well, I, I married Goody Lawson for uh, her integrity, and um, she's certainly right in this. I think that the Austin Powers movie, um, although Wedding Singer is a good one, again, I think it's the third best of Adam Sandler's um, compared to the set, to really the, the best of the Austin Powers movies. I would give it to the Austin Powers movie. Great. And actually, that just reminded me, too, I, I totally forgot about this, but when uh, I saw Austin Powers 2, I actually saw uh, a bootleg copy of it from um, one of my uh, parents' friends, I think. I saw it like a month or two before it actually came out in theaters because I think it came out in theaters in England first potentially, I'm not sure or Canada maybe. But I was uh, I remember watching that movie on a really cruddy looking screen. But it was even then it was just so funny. It was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen in my life. The first time I saw it. So awesome powers. Uh, Spy who shagged me got the win, which will take us to our next uh, matchup here. We got numbers three and four. Uh, Home Alone two versus Rookie of the Year. Um, Home Alone 2, uh, another movie, actually, I say I like the second one better than the first one. 
Um, Home Alone 2, of course, had uh, Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, uh, Catherine O'Hara, who went on, obviously, to play the great Myra in Schitt's Creek. And uh, the second one had Tim Curry in it, too. I, I, I really like him in that movie. Um, I thought a fun little fact about this movie that came out in uh, uh, 1990 was in the department store uh, that uh, Kevin goes to in the movie, um, as an added bonus, all the kids in that scene got to keep their favorite toy from that store. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, also going on, we got Rookie of the Year. I remember watching this movie when I was a kid, um, obviously. It came out in 1993. Um, Thomas Ian Nicholas was in it. Daniel Stern was in it and directed it. Gary Busey and John Candy was in it as the announcer, but he was uncredited. And I thought a really funny fact with this one, actually, with Rookie of the Year, where, you know, uh, gum, uh, uh, the kid, I can never say his name, but uh, he breaks his arm and develops like this super fast, unhittable uh, pitch. Um, so when they were filming it, they used a real crowd to chant, we want Henry during the movie. But because it was a real Cubs versus Cardinals game, um, there was Cardinal fans in Chicago and they refused to go along with it. And they kept chanting, we want uh, Ozzy, Ozzy Smith, the shortstop. So they had to do many takes in between a doubleheader to get that right because the Cardinal fans would not cooperate. Um, Having said that, both of those movies are really good, um, and I actually I haven't made up my mind yet in voting. I'm going to see what everybody else has to say. So mercy. Okay, so total transparency. I have not seen Rookie of the Year. In preparation of this podcast, I did watch some YouTube clips, and I fully intend on watching the full movie because it looks really cute. But that being said, Home Alone Two is one of the ones that I wanted to add to the bracket. One fun fact that the viewers our listeners that should say should know about me is I absolutely love Christmas. Anything to do with Christmas. It's my aesthetic. And Home Alone 2, I won't say that I like the second one better than the first one, but I like how it has more of that Christmassy feel. I've always wanted to go to New York around Christmas time. That's on my bucket list. So I like how they really leaned into that. Another fun fact besides the one that Scott just mentioned is that the scene at the end, spoiler alert, with the pigeons is actually a real pigeon attack. They covered um, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern with birdseed and put about 300 pigeons on them. So that was actually done like full out real. Wow. So, I mean, that was probably a lot of bravery on their part. (laughs) And I really like the dynamic with Macaulay Culkin and the woman that he meets in the park, the bird lady, and how he gives her that ornament at the end. That's just heart warmer every single time. Yeah, and I I made a mistake. It came out in 1992, not, ni- not 1990, for Home Alone 2. My bad. Okay, so that's my little pitch for Home Alone 2. On to you, Goody Lawson. Thank you. I love how we have all these fun facts. Like, I, like that part I didn't know about the pigeons. I think that's really funny. Well, at the end with the um, pigeons and and the bird But um, Rookie of the Year, this was a movie that was part of my childhood. I think I watched it like a hundred times. Great. I, from what I remember, I think my childhood crush was the Henry character, the Harry, Henry Roland Garner. Yeah. So, um, I think, uh, you know, with Gary Busey as like a quote love interest, I think that's the only acceptable movie that that is. <laughs> He's kind of a crazy guy now. Um, kind of. So that's really the only 
Disney movie, I remember him being a love interest, where his, like, Henry's mom and him get together. Um, I also feel it's so funny that these two movies are paired together because Daniel Stern is, like, part of both of them. That's crazy. Yep. I didn't realize that until we, like, just said that. But, yes, he was the director of uh, Rookie of the Year. And Home Alone 2, um, I... I like Home Alone 2. I feel like Home Alone 1 is a little better than Home Alone 2, but I like that it's set in New York City. And like uh, Scott says, some really good actors. Also has the um, past president in it when Kevin is at the plaza and he tells him how to get to the lobby and he's like, down the hall and to the left. So <laughs> I thought that was, you know, interesting. And, um... I like how it brings back all the old characters from the first movie, too. And, like, uh, Mercy said, it's set in New York City. That's always fun when it's Christmas time in New York City. Lawson, over to you. Yeah, don't have too much to say about Home Alone 2 that wasn't already said. Um, I like Home Alone 1 better, uh, personally. Um, I have also saw Rookie of the Year, I mean, tons of times during when I was a kid. Um, just, I mean, I loved baseball as a kid, so it just kind of fit in perfectly. And, like, the dream of somehow, like, you becoming, like, a major league baseball player by accident just kind of, like, fit in with my childhood very well. <laughs> um, I, I, I imagine this movie must have caused at least a few kids to, like, intentionally break their arm and see if that, like, resulted in them becoming um, a, a major league baseball player or a pitcher. Um, so, yeah, I, I, the Gary Busey thing being a love interest is pretty hilarious. Um, John Candy is... He's so funny in, like, his few scenes that he's in. I mean, like, when he says, like, the whole kitten caboodle, I had, like, never even, like, heard that word before. So he's just so funny in that movie. And they kind of, like, underutilize him. I wish they actually used him more as, like, an announcer. Um, but, yeah, very fun movie overall. Uh, one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you there. Um, that was a... <laughs> but uh, I guess we get into the voting now. Hopefully... Uh see here it's a really tough decision for decision for me because yeah i'm a huge baseball fan and i love home alone too also um but in terms of just better movies that hold up over time i'm gonna go with home alone 2 for my vote i am also going to go with home alone 2 for my vote should i give mark okay uh mrs lawson and i are both voting for rookie of the year so we got a tiebreaker tie Based on pure childhood nostalgia. Okay, I don't, uh, I don't disagree with that. I was very close to going um, home alone, or home alone, or I'm sorry, rookie of the year. So, okay, so if we go by rookie of the year, I to B score. I thought it would be easier if I wrote it down, but now I lost it. I can get it. Oh, I found it. Okay, so rookie of the year has a IMDb score of six point one out of ten, and Home Alone two has a six point eight out of ten. So Home Alone uh, 2 does get it. Yep. Home Alone 2 took it. So The people know what they like. Um, not that we're going to, I would think, use it on this movie, but I know we did talk about a, a save um, situation. Do you want to explain that, Scott, real quick? Oh, yeah. So we do have something where um, we're going to bring back four movies this time in the second part of the episode. So any movies that do get knocked out do have a chance to get back into the game later and like i said in the opening almost all of these movies i think any of these movies can really have a chance to win and uh, already we got two sequels that uh have won and uh we got plenty more to go so 
as we move on to the next round here, we got, uh, not the, sorry, not the next round, but the next grouping is number five and number six. Uh, we got Awesome Powers, this time the first one, The International Man of Mystery versus Office Space. Um, another great movie. Um, Office Space has so many quotable moments in it. Uh, let's see here. It came out in 1999. Uh, it stars Ron Livingston. Uh, we got Dave Herman, Jennifer Anderson, of course, uh, Stephen Root, Gary Cole. Uh, directed by Mike Judge, you know, infamous Beavis and Butthead. Um, but one interesting fact about Office Space is it did much better on VHS than in theaters. And it even did so well on VHS later that it outperformed some other bigger budgeted Fox movies. Um, so it kind of took off and became a kind of a cult following uh, Office Space. And then we also got um, uh, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Uh, awesome powers i think this movie took america by storm in 1997 it kind of you know mike myers was funny on snl but this just yeah. launched him he just he just flipped this guy is that the spanish shame this is the other one did i say it again oh my god i'm sorry i said international man of mystery thank you these but both of these both of these movies kind of run together they're so good so 1997 international man of mystery that movie so we got mike myers elizabeth hurley michael york seth green carrie fisher made a cameo in it and mindy sterling um a couple of fun facts about this. Um, the the whole thing that you know, or shush scene um, between uh, Seth Green and Mike Myers, that was improvised. They actually wasn't in the script. Um, so that was improvised by them. They just both comedic geniuses who just knew what to do on camera. And also, I found this really interesting. Um, Dr. Evil was supposed to be played by Jim Carrey. Uh, a name that we're going to be hearing a lot in this because Jim Carrey was just the man in the 90s. Uh, but he turned it down to do Liar Liar. And thinking about Jim Carrey as Dr. Evil, I mean, even though Mike Myers plays him perfectly, um, that would have been really interesting to see. So we have those facts there, and I'm going to turn it over to Mercy now. Okay, so once again with Austin Powers, I have seen the movies, but it's been a while, and I've only seen them about once or twice. So I'm a little foggy on the details. But Office Space is among one of my favorite 90s comedies. It's like an iconic workplace comedy about people who don't really care for their jobs. I think the guy that, his name is Michael Bolton, and he keeps <laughs> on getting confused for the singer. I thought that was, I think that's like a hilarious running joke. I love Jennifer Aniston, and this is one of her earlier movies before really becoming classified as a movie star rather than a TV star on Friends. And a little fun fact about Office Space is the red stapler that Milton had on his desk that he got mad when people moved was made by the prop department, but people actually started contacting Wingline, the stapler company, and wanting red staplers. So the company started making red staplers because of Office Space. <laughs> that is pretty funny. Uh, John C. McGinley is also in Office Space. Forgot about him. Love he him. He is, yes. Lawson's. Thank you. Um, seen both of these movies. I think that's another tough matchup because I really like both of them. Office space, just one of my favorite quotes is when the guy is at the copier machine and he's like, why does it say paper jam if there's no paper? <laughs> I feel like that's kind of relatable. I've had that happen to me before. Um, I feel like it's good casting. Rob Livingston it seems like a typical everyday guy that would get into that situation and work in a office like that. Um, and then Jennifer Aniston, I think, is a good... I think their um, relationship, how they meet and bond over Kung Fu is kind of cute. <laughs> and then um, 
the Austin Powers movie. Again, I like that movie. I think the casting is really good, and it was just kind of an original, funny movie at the time. Yeah, like you said, Austin Powers. Um, it took you say it took the like the box office by storm. Um, far outperformed Office Space. Um, I, I was listening to like some interviews and the people like the stars in Office Space kind of blame the um, production company for not believing in the movie. Um, they didn't really advertise it well at all, and they like made notes like, "Oh, the character should smile more," which. Like, Judd was like, that's not what what this movie's about at all. Um, and obviously, he also created Silicon Valley, which is an HBO show, which is also very funny, and also kind of deals with the workplace. Um, but yeah, I love, I mean, we fixed the glitch, obviously, a, a line that I feel like is used a lot, like, in offices today as a joke. Um, you know, what's happening? That's also <laughs> um, just repeated throughout the movie, also very funny. Um, I thought it was, Jennifer Anderson, I heard, took the, the role in this movie because she was trying to get, like, a little bit of, like, I'm in something else besides friends going on. And she was also like a childhood um, sweetheart of the the guy that played Michael Bolton in the movie. Oh, He's kind of know. one of the side characters. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of one of the reasons why she got in the movie. But yeah, Office Space, I feel like is really, like I said, cult following that I feel like has more significance now and is, has like a longer lasting legacy, honestly, than even the first Austin Powers movie. Um, because like you said, those first two movies run together a little bit. And we all think, at least me and Scott, do think the second one's better than the first. So, um, huge fan of Office Space, and I've been in some situations at work, and I felt like, yeah, this is from Office Space. So, very, very relatable movie. I get that too, and it's a tough decision for me. But as we go into the voting, I think I got to go with Austin Powers' uh, International Man of Mystery. I mean, just so many funny moments in that movie that, like, you can watch it and still forget about him and then when you see him again it's like hearing it for the first time just the you know no he, i think he's trying to kill me nobody's trying to kill you scott no the boy is quite astute i really am trying to kill him i mean just moments like that and then like the way that mike myers plays the you know the characters uh just for me timeless and uh it's tough but i gotta go with awesome powers international man of mystery um every time i see someone that has a lot of buttons on their shirts i think of it as flair my vote is going towards office space Mrs. Lawson's vote is also going to Office Space, even though um, Austin Powers also has a really good score in it. I like the music a lot, but Office Space is my vote. Yeah, tough matchup to start. I just Office Space. I think again, it's more just it's had a, has longer legs. So I'm going with Office Space as my vote, even though Austin Powers, like you said, the, the part with Scott where he's like, "I'll get my gun. Why don't we just shoot him?" And he's like, "You just." <laughs> Don't get it, do you? Like, I love that part from Austin Powers. But, um, again, Office Space is, like, now so many memes, and it's just kind of, I said, more likes that movie. So I'm going with that one. In a, in a close one. I get that, and I'm glad at least that it didn't sweep out. Austin Powers deserved at least one vote. All right, moving on to seven and eight. We got Aus. I'm sorry. I'm still on the Austin Powers thing. It's Ace Ventura, Pet Detective versus Home Alone. Uh, two great movies, obviously. Uh, both had really great sequels too again uh i think the sequel to ace ventura is better than the first one um but of course we had courtney cox in that we have jim carrey uh who else did we have in that movie um not really many other people um dan marino made a uh a, a cameo um so again for that one it came out in 1994 and i found a funny fact about this is uh rick moranis turned down the role originally um 
so yeah, Rick Moranis would have been the pet detective. I find that really crazy. And then also, a funny story, I guess, with this one, because Courtney Cox was in it. Apparently, Jennifer Aniston one time um, visited Courtney Cox, and she brought a copy of the movie with her to watch it with Courtney, and Courtney Cox flat out refused to watch it. So I kind of wonder what that's about. Uh, but so that happened with Courtney Cox and Jennifer Aniston. Uh, then, of course, we got Home Alone, the first one this time, 1990. Again, the same cast as before that I already listed, but this time uh, it had uh, John Candy also in it. And I thought he, his role, while short, was memorable. And I guess a fun fact with this movie I found was Joe Pesci avoided Macaulay Culkin on set as much as possible to make him seem like he was mean. So that he wanted to keep up that chemistry between them and keep uh, Macaulay Culkin on his toes about it. Uh, so I think that played through in the movie really well. Joe Pesci was, you know, great in that movie. Um, they had to uh, also, uh, he kept swearing so much uncontrollably that his whole, that frickin' 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 thing, he had to create that on the spot and improvise it because it would have been a higher rated movie if, uh, he didn't censor himself that way. So those are my facts and knowledge on those two movies. Mercy. Okay, so I'm starting to sound like a broken record. I think I've seen Ace Ventura Pet Detective, but I don't super really remember it, so that'll have to go on my rewatch list. Um, Home Alone, we've already established. Mercy Warren loves her some Christmas. But this movie honestly feels more like a dialed-back diehard for kids on occasion, where it's... I mean, yes, it's a Christmas movie. It takes place at Christmas, but it also has that debate, is it really a Christmas movie? That's why I like how the second one tied made it a little bit more Christmassy at the end. But um, the method acting on Joe Pesci that Scott mentioned, that carried into the second movie. He was mean to him at the second movie, too. He told him he, he told Macaulay Culkin to shut up on a few occasions. And one thing that I like that they did is they really leaned into the camera angles for Home Alone. At the very beginning of the movie, they shot Macaulay Culkin from above to make him seem smaller and more timid and helpless. But when he was home alone and he had to be more confident and think for himself, they actually shot him from below because it made him look taller and more confident, apparently. So I just kind of like how they used those those camera angles to kind of tell the story subconsciously, I guess. Okay, Lawson's. Thank you. A lot of fun facts. Um, I have a little more information about Ace Ventura because this was one of my picks and it's kind of a nostalgic movie for me. Watched it a lot in my childhood. Um, so Ace Ventura had his like popular catchphrase of already then that was uh, Jim Carrey's ad in the movie. Um, another, I have a couple of fun facts. Another fun fact is in the part where he's going to see someone and it's like a metal band is playing, that's actually one of Jim Carrey's favorite bands in real life. Uh, it's called Cannibal Corpse. And he like really wanted them to be in the movie for some reason. Uh, that was one of his requests. Um, the movements of Jim Carrey are based on birds. There's a lot of birds in that movie, so all of his like twitchy head movements are all like based on bird movements, which I thought was fun. Um, and then my favorite part of the movie is when 
Him and Courtney Cox are at that fancy party, and they're looking for Snowflake the dolphin. And he, Jim Carrey, like goes off on his own, and he thinks he finds it, and it ends up being he's in this like place with water, and it ends up being a giant like great white shark, and it attacks him, and he's like all wet and everything, coming back into the party, and he like pretends he's in the bathroom, and he's like, "Do not go in there," and it's like just kind of funny, so. Good to to see it, but everyone just kind of shocked, like, oh, you're all wet from the bathroom. That's a little weird. So, those are my fun facts. Um, and then Home Alone. Home Alone's a great movie. I love the ending with the older gentleman and his family, how he's kind of estranged from his family at first, and then, you know, Kevin, this eight-year-old boy, is, like, telling him, that, oh, you know, just call them. They'll pick up. Just get back together with your family, old man. And so... Then at the end, they're all together, and it's snowing, and out the window, you see that they're all together, and it's a tearjerker, but great casting again. Um, I won't say too much. I do love the house in Home Alone. Everyone, like, I'll watch different house shows and be like, oh, I want the Home Alone house. Like, that's the kind of house that I want to live in, so it's a pretty iconic house as well. Awesome. <laughs> so, I love Jim Carrey. I don't really love... Um, He's been sure for some reason. I just never really got into it that much. Um, so I'm less a fan of that. I mean, Home Alone was, I think, one of the highest grossing movies of um, all time, at least when it came out in 1990. I think it was definitely the highest grossing movie of that year. Um, like I said, that house in Chicago is um, is a tourist attraction. So, I mean, that kind of shows you, like, the popularity of that movie. It's still a tourist attraction today for, like, people to drive by it. Um, and the movie, actually, I guess the idea for the movie... Um, kind of was formed in the developer's head um, during the movie Uncle Buck, which is one of my favorite comedies. But if you're wondering why it's not on the list, it was actually made in August of 1989. So, just missed the cut. But I guess there's actually a couple scenes, um, including the scene where Macaulay Culkin is, like, looking through, like, I think it's, like, the doggy door, um, that was, like, very similar to a scene in Uncle Buck. So they kind of, like, cut a couple scenes from that movie and just put them in Home Alone. Um, so, to me, Home Alone is a much bigger impact than... Ace Ventura, love Jim Carrey, but again, not one of my favorite movies fit for some reason. Yeah, well said, and uh, I, I love Uncle Buck, too. That is a great movie. Um, so, I guess we get into the voting here, and tough call, but I'm going to go with Home Alone on this one. Um, I actually agree with uh, Lawson a little bit. Is I love Jim Carrey, but not too much in this one. I like him a lot better in the sequel. So, my vote is Home Alone. My vote is also for Home Alone, and if you want to know more about the development of Home Alone, on Netflix there's a series called Movies That Made Us, and they actually do have a whole episode about the making of Home Alone, if you would like to know more. Good plug. We want that Netflix money. <laughs> um, the, Law the Lawsons will vote to make it a sweep for Home Alone. And we have some, you know, we have some other people at the house, that's why sometimes I am voting for both myself and Ms. Lawson. It is understood, we understand, and uh, we will not judge or hold it against you. Uh, actually, we will, but... Oh, did I say that out loud? Oh, shoot. So, all right, so we got our second grouping here. We got 9 through 16. Um, right, and uh, I keep saying right off the bat, if people want to make that into a drinking game, you're going to get drunk really fast. So, right off the bat, damn it. Um, we got number 9, Pretty Woman, uh, which I don't really see as a comedy too much, I guess. I've seen it a couple times, but... I mean, it's an iconic movie, but it's on the list. Um, and we also got Father of the Bride, 
which is a comedy. So Pretty Woman came out in 1990. Richard Gere, Julia Roberts, Jason Alexander, Hector Alzando. Um, and I guess um, an interesting fact about that movie is the the necklace that uh, Richard Gere gives Julia Roberts is a real necklace. It like it was a real, it was a diamond necklace, or whatever it was. It was worth two hundred fifty thousand dollars at the time, and just off screen the entire time was an armed security guard whose sole job was to make sure that the necklace wasn't stolen. Um, and I guess he made uh, some of the actors uncomfortable on the set, supposedly, uh, allegedly. And then we also got Father of the Bride, um, Steve Martin, um, again one of the great comedic anything you know everything he does is just so funny um with him is martin short karen calkin who's macaulay calkin's little brother diane keaton and i can't even read my own handwriting here kim william paisley mm-hmm. thank you and um i guess an interesting fact about this one that came out in 1991 was george banks was named after the dad from mary poppins so that's our fun fact from that um both these movies i've only seen a couple times um not my cup of tea per se, but I will let the peanut gallery decide its fate. So, both of these movies are my cup of tea. Um, a fun fact about Pretty Woman, going along with the necklace, the scene where um, Richard Gere gives the necklace to Julia Roberts, he snaps the necklace down on her fingers. That was totally improvised by... Oh my god, I forgot Richard what I Gere? Richard Gere. And her reaction was genuine, so I really liked that. That's a fun fact. I also like the fact that Richard Gere and Julia Roberts went on to do a lot of movies together. And he was actually going to turn the movie down. But she slid him a post-it note that said, please say yes. So that's why he decided to do the movie, is because Julia Roberts asked him to. And Father of the Bride, I love Martin Short and Steve... Martin. Martin. Oh my god, what's wrong with my brain right now? <laughs> um, they're best friends in real life. I love their relationship. And that's all I really have. Yeah, good points. Good good facts. Yeah, these are... Uh, I'm, I'm going to speak for Miss Lawson here as well. Um, not our favorite movies, uh, but they're paired together, so there we go. Um... Pretty Woman, I don't really feel is like, I mean, I guess it's like a romantic comedy, but I don't know if it's like a real, real comedy. Um, I guess Jason Alexander, like, I guess said that people hated him after this movie because he played like someone who I think was like committing like an assault or oh, something yeah. like that. Yes. <laughs> kind of a really creepy role for him. So uh, I just think it's funny that like he, people still kind of like mention to him. That's like, it's like the one thing besides Seinfeld that people will say to him pretty, pretty often. Um, Out of the Bride, I think I, yeah, may have seen it like one time. Um, I just love Steve Martin. I think he's, like you said, one of the great comedic minds, so, uh, we'll see how the vote, the vote goes. <laughs> Alright, yeah, as we get into voting here, um, I guess for me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna vote Father of the Bride, just cause I think it's overall a funnier movie, and Steve Martin's, and, uh, Martin Short, you can't deny the, uh, the talent and chemistry that those two guys have. Okay, so one fun fact I forgot to mention about Pretty Woman, which is in fact a comedy is that the opera that Edward takes Vivian to go see is La Traviata, which is about a prostitute who falls in love with a wealthy man, which is basically the story of the movie. Right, so Pretty Woman plagiarized another thing. There's a lot of things on this list that did that. (laughs) So that's not an uncommon thing. So Pretty Woman is my vote. 
Okay. Mrs. Lawson is back, and so Mr. and Mrs. Lawson are both voting for Father of the Bride. All right. Great choices all around, everybody. So now we get back into a couple real movies here that I think we can all agree are masterpieces. I'm getting the death glare from Mercy, sorry. <laughs> okay, so number 11 and number 12, we have My Cousin Vinny versus Dumb and Dumber. Um, two different comedies that are both hilarious on so many different levels. It's such a weird pairing for these two um, because they're both so unique. I mean, you got My Cousin Vinny uh, with Joe Pesci. Uh, I lost it here. Oh. Sorry, th thank you. Yeah, my cousin Vinny came out in 1992. At Joe Pesci, uh, as Mr. Lawson said, we got Marisha Tomei, uh, Lane Smith, uh, Ralph Macchio, and Fred uh, Gwynn. Um, I think Lane Smith he played uh, um, Edwin uh, Monster and uh, the Monsters, and died. He actually died before the uh, the movie came out. Um, but uh, this movie, this movie for my cousin Vinny is shown at law schools. Um, pretty often for its accurate depiction of trial strategy and courtroom procedures. And it was it was the final film of Fred Gwynn. Um, so I, yeah, it wasn't Lane Smith, it was Fred uh, Gwynn who uh, passed away. Uh, and then we also have Dumb and Dumber. Oh my gosh. So Dumb and Dumber, I mean, you can quote... I, I think there's people that can quote this entire movie start to finish. 1994, uh, Jim Carrey at his absolute best. Jeff Daniels. Uh, Lauren Holly. Um, so we had uh, Jim Carrey had three number one films in 1994. Besides Dumb and Dumber, he, he also had The Mask and Ace Ventura. So I mean, Jim Carrey owned 1994. Um, the Farley brothers uh, didn't want uh, Jeff Daniels to be in the movie either. They didn't think he was right for the role, and they offered him only fifty thousand dollars, which they thought he would turn down because he would be insulted, but Jeff Daniels wanted to do the movie so badly, and Jim Carrey wanted him in there so badly that he did it, and obviously I think it was the best decision. Jeff Daniels wasn't even really known as a comedic actor at the time, but he played the role just so great. Um, so, both of these movies, I mean, Jim Carrey with the classic, so you're still saying there's a chance. I mean, it gets me every single time. Um, so... Great, great, funny movies. My cousin Vinny is something I can watch this movie anytime. And if they play it if they play it censored on TBS or something, it sucks. But uncensored, ooh, what a great movie, Mercy. So we're back with Mercy Warren's greatest hits, which is I actually have not seen either of these movies all the way through. I started watching Dumb and Dumber yesterday. I didn't make it all the way through because I got a little sidetracked. But there were some funny moments, and I look forward to completing it. And I have seen some bits and pieces of My Cousin Vinny as well, when Scott has it on. So, it's on my to-do list to further watch those movies. I guess I'm just not very cultured that I haven't seen a lot of these movies. My 90s was belonged to Disney movies. <laughs> uh, so, I'll, I'll see if Mrs. Lawson can, can tune in here, but... Um... Yeah, I guess the role is first offered to Steve Martin, which I think, um, in Dumb and Dumber, which I think Jim Carrey was going to be for Steve Martin. That would have been a very weird casting choice. Very different movie, yeah. And um, I guess Jim Carrey actually married the girl in that movie, like the love interest. He actually married her in real life, which I think is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, in Dumb and Dumber. Um, but yeah, these, this is probably like, probably the weirdest pairing. I mean, they're just so different types of movies. 
Um, my cousin Vinny is like, like I said, it's actually kind of like a little more serious, but also funny in like its own understated way. And then, you know, Dumb and Dumber is just like a slapstick comedy, just like stupid jokes that are like so memorable. Um, and it's, this to me is one of Jimmy Car- Jim Carrey's like funnier performances. So um, very tough vote on this one because uh, I really like both movies. Um, Dumb and Dumber maybe is just a little bit more of a like, I guess, more popular in some ways. But again, very close. Okay, I agree, and you know, um, for me, Dumb and Dumber, when it first came out as a kid, was hilarious. I'd watched, I felt like I was watching something I shouldn't watch. At the same time, it was like, this is exactly my style of comedy. But as I've gotten older, My Cousin Vinny is just smarter. It uh, adds in that element of suspense with it, too. Even though, like, uh, Dumb and Dumber does that thing where when uh, Lloyd gets heartbroken and Jim Carrey, when he starts, like, gagging because he's so sad... It, it adds that too. It's it's. <laughs> I mean, both movies are so funny. If I had gun to my head, though, I have to say my cousin Vinny gets my vote. Just probably a better movie that holds up over time. I'm going to go with the movie that I've seen a little bit more of, which is my cousin Vinny. Mrs. Lawson's back for the time being, um, but <laughs> myself and Mr. Lawson are voting for Dumb and Dumber. So close, though. Yeah, very close. So it is a tiebreaker. We done. Okay, so my cousin Vinny has a seven point six out of ten IMDb score, and Dumb and Dumber seven point three. My cousin Vinny wins out by three percentage points. By yeah. I actually was kind of surprised. I, I, I don't remember every number I wrote down, but uh, I kind of thought that uh, Dumb and Dumber would have gotten it. So, yeah, but my cousin Vinny uh, squeaks it out. And, and of course, too, Dumb and Dumber, I wouldn't be shocked if this movie gets brought back later because, I mean, it is really funny. So, all right, going on to 13 and 14 now. We got Clueless versus There's Something About Mary. Uh, Clueless is... Um, it, it kind of is part of that trend that we started with the TV shows where Mercy got me to watch it, and I liked it. I liked it more than I thought I would. Clueless came out in 1995. Of course, it has Alicia Silverstone, uh, Stacey Dash, Brittany Murphy, Paul Rudd, and Donald Faison. Um, it's based off a John Jane Austen novel, Emma. And then, of course, you also have There's Something About Mary, which is Ben Stiller. I mean, Cameron Diaz. I mean, jeez, what a great, funny movie. Uh, I saw this with my aunt and uncle for the first time, and it <laughs> uh, it's one of those movies that had me on the floor rolling around in laughter. came out in 1998. Of course, Cameron Diaz, like I said, Matt Dillon, Ben Stiller, Jeffrey Tambor, Chris Elliott, and Sarah Silverman are in it. And um, let's see here. when Oh, uh, the funny fact about this one was when Ben Stiller is dropped in the very beginning of the movie on the stretcher, that wasn't uh, part of the act. That actually happened, and they had qu- really quickly see if Ben Stiller was okay. And when he holds his arm there, it looks like he's in pain because that's real. Um, ben Stiller was actually dropped. It seems like you know it's one of those things that would just be a a Cohen brother. I think it was a Cohen brothers, Farley brothers. Um, you know to do that, but no, it was really was unscripted. So both really funny. I mean, something about Mary is probably more funny than Clueless, in my opinion. But Clueless, again, too, is, is a solid movie that was better than I thought it would be. Mercy. So, I actually have seen both of these movies, so that's exciting. Um, Clueless is just one of those timeless ones for me that I can watch over and over again. 
Paul Rudd has not aged a bit since that movie came out. Funny story, the person that he plays, the character he plays, was actually originally supposed to go to Jeremy Renner, and they both ended up being in the Marvel Universe together. Yeah. Um, Brittany Murphy, rest in peace to her. She, she felt like a hypocrite saying the line, you're a virgin who can't drive, because she was a virgin who couldn't drive at the point when she delivered it. So I just thought that was like a fun little tidbit. As far as something about Mary goes, I remember the first time I saw it, it was like one of those shocking comedies because there were some cruder moments, which isn't usually my cup of tea. And the song at the end always gets stuck in my head. Oh, Build Me a Buttercup. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just the blooper. Not even a blooper role they have at the end of that movie, too, but when they're all singing it, that they all took the time to do that at the end of that movie kind of shows that they knew they had a hit on their hands. So, um, And uh, also, Brett Favre's in that movie. Uh, kind of love Brett Favre, even at the cameo, you know, the, the Mookie or Bookie, whatever. Um, and it's just one of those movies that it, it keeps you on your toes. You never know what to expect when you watch it. And Uncensored is, of course, way better than Censored, too. So, and the Lawsons. Hi, guys. Thank you. Um, Her <laughs> dog here, so she might bark. But um, I have seen both of these movies. It's been a while. But um, I think that Clueless is pretty timeless. You'll see, like, a lot of different generations kind of, like, discover clueless and be like oh this is so cool so um i think it keeps going through different generations <laughs> sorry um my favorite scene from that movie is the freeway scene when um dion and Cher and their two and um their two boyfriends are like in the car convertible and they're like the freeway and they like don't know what to do and everyone's like beeping at them and they like finally make it off and they're like oh we survived that's kind of my favorite part of that movie and just paul rudd in general is my favorite part of that movie as well i think he can do no wrong honestly so love paul rudd um there's something about mary uh it's been a while since i've seen that movie i do like ben stiller um and Cameron Diaz it is who directed that movie do we did we say I forgot if it was I, I thought I had it written down I don't know if it was the Farley brothers or the Cohen brothers it could have been either one the Farley bro I think it was the Farley brothers I think and, so too yeah yeah I think you're right um but and they are um pretty well-known directors so, um, I'm going to speak for, oh, Lawson is back. Hi, Lawson. <laughs> hey, I uh, just wanted to say that, um, that's something about Mary, this, the zipper scene to me was almost like a, a public service announcement. Like that, like that, that scene of, of the zipper scene just like made me like think twice, like. It really years. does. <laughs> Yeah, it was like, oh no, that's a really bad outcome if that happened. That happened too. I, I think it was like I, I read something that, that that actually happened to one of their friends, like the writer of the Farley it Brothers. At one of their sisters' parties. Yeah, and they had to help the guy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So it's based just, on a real event. Just like taking off a bandaid, a one, a two, we got a bleeder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, Cameron Diaz and him, I think, also have a great chemistry. Um, I like the scene where uh, Ben Stiller. There's like some, something in his hair. Yeah, Cameron, we all know so, what it is. Yeah, so that, that was a really funny scene. Cameron um, Diaz had a, a lot of trouble doing that scene too. It took a lot of coercing to get her to put that in her hair. <laughs> sure. Um, 
Uh, Clueless, I think I only saw one time, but it was with my mother and I, and my brother was really little. And I remember this, like, forever. This, this girl said, like, that guy is a total Barney. And my brother was a little kid. And he, like, hadn't been paying attention at all. And he just went, Barney? Like, he just, like... <laughs> He was just so excited. Maybe there's like Barney on the TV all of a sudden. So that's my really only clueless memory. So uh, <laughs> take that for it. All right. Oh, great reminiscing about these movies. Uh, one, in my opinion, is just funnier than the other. Although, I will say, I remember when, I, I think I might have seen Clueless as a kid. I think my stepsister liked that movie, and it made me feel like an adult if I knew what that movie was when I was a kid. But one is clearly funnier than the other, holds up over time, and that, it, for me, is something about Mary. As if Clueless <laughs> is my vote. So, unbelievably, Mrs. Lawson is also voting for Clueless, and I am going to vote for the right choice, which is something about Mary. All right, we got this is a lot more controversial than our last one. So, we got as a tiebreaker here, something about Mary has a score of seven one seven point one out of ten, and Clueless has a score of 6.8 out of 10. So the people have spoken. There's something about Mary is better than Clueless officially. Hope that doesn't sting too badly, ladies. But unfortunately, we're all going to be losers with this next one because only one of these great, great comedies can move on to the next round. I have a feeling one of them is going to get brought back, though. And with 15 and 16, we have The Big Lebowski versus Happy Gilmore. Now, I mean, you can't really get much better than either of these two movies in the 90s. Lebowski, I remember when I saw this with my college roommates, we all immediately wanted to start drinking White Russians. I mean, it was just, they taste awful. They're, they're, they make you sick. But the dude drank them, so you wanted to drink some white russians and just everything about him the movie is just so subtly funny like damn it donnie (laughs) like john goodman i think i did that pretty good damn it donnie i mean just so funny steve buscemi uh john goodman of course uh jeff bridges for uh the big lebowski which came out in 1998 um of course you had julian moore tara reed philip seymour hoffman and sam elliott uh, narrating and coming out at the end and uh, one of the interesting facts about that is Jeff Bridges would ask the director every single time he was about to go on scene um, is his character high in this mo- in this moment and if he was then Jeff Bridges would literally rub his own eyes until they turn red and he used his own personal wardrobe while filming he actually owned those clothes uh, Happy Gilmore I mean I mean that movie is just you can you don't even have to be drunk or high to watch that movie and laugh. I mean, it's one of those things you will pee yourself laughing from all these jokes. Adam Sandler, Carl Weathers, Bob Barker, Alan Corbett, Julia Bowen, Chris McDonald. And um, it turns out in real life when this movie came out in 1996, uh, Adam Sandler is horrible at both golf and hockey. So uh, he didn't, not too much of a stretch there. And I guess when they went to Bob Barker about being in the infamous fight scene, which wasn't supposed to happen at first, it was just supposed to be one punch, Bob Barker basically said, F that, and he refused to have a stunt double because he said, and I quote, I know how to fight, so let's do it. So, and that turned out to be one of the most classic, hilarious fight scenes of all time. Uh, So, man, I'm going to have to see what everybody has to say about these two films because they're both so damn funny. Okay, so I also have seen both of these movies. 
and unpopular opinion, I might get some hate at me for this. I don't like the Big Lebowski. <gasps> I don't think it's funny. Folks, um, we'll be right back with you after this. Um, I don't find it funny. It's not. It's not for me. I don't think I'm that movie's intended of it audience happy gilmore though i love that movie it's very funny it's one of my favorite adam sandler movies bob barker as a lover of old school game shows price is right price is wrong bob Bob barker speaks to me and what scott said about him not wanting a stunt double he only agreed to do the movie because he won the because bob barker was going to win the fight and fun little fact, he actually studied karate under Chuck Norris. Ah, that's interesting. As well as Chuck Norris's brother. <laughs> so, that's my little tug for Bob Barker. Goody Lawson. I just love all these fun facts, and especially about Bob Barker. <laughs> I love it. Love me some um, I do have a couple things about Happy Gilmore. Again, it has a nostalgic uh, place in my heart. It was one of the movies that I would watch with my dad when I was little. Um, ben Stiller is actually in this movie. He's uncredited. Uh, he works at the nursing home yes. where he like a sweatshop for those older pe- <laughs> those poor older people making like those quilts. Um, and he actually, I don't know if you guys saw Hubie Halloween on Netflix. It's one of the Adam Sandler. He reprises his role. Oh yeah, you're right. At the very beginning. Yeah, he does. That's funny. That's My hands first. hurt. Well, now your back's going to hurt. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so a lot of good quotes. Um, good cast. Carl Weathers, Julie Bowen, Bob Barker, as we said. Um, there's just, like, so many scenes. The guy, the larger gentleman with, like, the nail in his head where he's telling Shooter, like, you can count on me meeting you in the parking lot. Like... Yep. That's very memorable and funny. Um, fun fact, the movie is based off of a childhood friend of Adam Sandler, and they're still good friends to this day. Uh, I like also Kevin Nealon in the movie, where he plays like the zen golfer. Like yep. He's just like, you know, send the ball to its home. It's going home. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else could I say? The rhyming battle between Shooter and Happy, like, go eat some hay. Down by the bay, I just say, what do you say? And, like, that, I'm just doing horribly with telling of this. But <laughs> I knew you're fine. I really like this movie a lot, as you can see. And um, just when Happy like, Gilmore is starting the tournaments and Carl Weathers trying to help him, he's like, it's all in the hips and just tap it in. So <laughs> that's, all the, that's all I'm going to say about Happy Gilmore. Um, and The Big Lebowski. So, The Big Lebowski, I saw about seven years ago when I was visiting someone out of college. And I I love all the actors, Steve Buscemi, John Goodman, Jeff Bridges. Um, I think the concept of the movie where he's trying to get revenge over, like, a rug is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. um, but it is very, like, a, you need to be on something when you're watching That's it, I feel. Exactly. So I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of with Mercy on this. It obviously, um, I'm as you can see, I'm kind of one-sided with the pick, but um, still both really good movies and very original, very original movies. Lawson. Yeah, I can't believe these movies were paired up against each other. Um, very different. You guys all mentioned Happy Gilmore. Um, I mean, it's just 
so many great scenes. Uh, the Big Lebowski, I think Sam Elliott's voice in that movie just like adds a lot of like gravitas and just like makes that movie even cooler. Um, yeah, I guess I again, love both movies. Uh, I think you guys really covered it well. Uh, Coen Brothers movie is Big Lebowski. Um, so I'll be interested to see what happens with the boat here. Yeah, agreed. Um, it, it's a tough, tough decision. But I think one is just slightly more quotable and funnier than the other. And I'm going to go with Happy Gilmore. I feel like this is not a surprise. But my vote also goes for the Happy Gilmore. Uh, Mrs. Lawson is going for Happy Gilmore. And I'm going to vote for The Big Lebowski because I think it's one of the funniest movies of all time. All right, yep, you got to give it some kind. It couldn't be a clean sweep. So as we get into our third group here, this is going to be the last grouping, 17 through 24, for the first episode, and we'll continue it on in the second episode after we get through these. But So you're going to want to stay in, tune in again because this lineup we have right here for group three, you can't get much better than this. Um, starting off, number 17 versus 18, Two kind of shockers, which I bet you, if you make a list of the best, like, not just the best movies, but the best comedies, like, I don't think this would make a lot of people's list until you say them now, and I hope you guys go go out and watch both of these, because they're amazing movies. We got Canadian Bacon at 17, and the South Park Bigger, Longer, Uncut movie at 18. So, Canadian Bacon came out in 1995. Um, it has... Just an amazing cast. John Candy, Kevin Pollock, Alan Alda, Rip Torn, Rio Perlman, and Dan Aykroyd's in there. Um, it was directed by Michael Moore, which is his only like studio movie, the non-documentary, um, that he ever did. And for you, for people who out, out there who don't know it, basically Alan Alda's the president. He wants to boost his ratings um, by getting into another Cold War with Russia, but that doesn't work, with hilarious results. So he turns to America's neighbor up north, the undefended border against Canada, and wants to have a Cold War with Canada, which quickly spirals out of control in front of him, leading to almost World War III. So it is the last John Candy feature film he died after doing this movie, uh, unfortunately, and... Uh, another interesting fact was Michael Moore was turned down by 47 film compo uh, composers, or production companies, I guess, companies, film companies, before he was finally able to make this movie, which I really think is a kind of, it, it, it's one of those unknown movies of its time, which was just so funny. And then, of course, you have the South Park Bigger Longer Uncut movie, which is also one of my favorites. I saw this when it came out in 1999 and just died laughing i literally think i peed myself laughing that's not I, I, you know i'll admit it um basically you know again not a big cast but some actual surprising names here besides matt stone and trey parker who are the main voices you also had cameos by george clooney eric idol and Minnie driver uh, besides the late great isaac hayes and a fun fact about this movie was the numbers in theaters don't really represent it it's true um numbers because Kids would buy movie tickets for Wild Wild West and then sneak into the South Park movie to see it because, you know, it was obviously rated R. So it, uh, they actually reference that in their TV show, Wild Wild West, um, and make fun of it. So the numbers were a lot higher for that movie because uh, people actually skip that to go see South Park. Um, two great movies, which unfortunately I wish I couldn't vote on this, but I'll have to later. But it makes me sad. I'll admit it. Mercy. I know you guys were probably listening and thinking, wow, Mercy's actually seen some of these movies recently. Um, 
we're back to I haven't seen either of these movies. Um, I believe Scott has tried to get me to watch Canadian Bacon at once. I will give it a chance. That is my promise. As far as South Park goes, the TV show's really not my thing. It's a little too crude for my sense of taste. And it can be a little disgusting at times. So if the movie follows suit, once again, I'm pr probably not the intended audience for that movie. But I'd be willing to give Canadian Bacon a chance. So I'm going to kind of say the same thing that I've never seen Canadian Bacon. It is on my watch list to watch with Lawson. And I would like to see it. The cast seems great. So I won't say much about that. We did just watch the South Park movie, and I think it goes a little overboard with the swear words. I think they were trying to make a point with the swear words, and just, um, and I think it's funny about, because of how ridiculous it is, but I won't say my favorite part, if there is a favorite part, is, um, where Stan, he, when he sees Wendy, he's like, there's a girl I love, and then he, like, throws up on her every time. <laughs> We did laugh out loud with that part, and just thinking about it again is kind of—it's <laughs> really funny. Um, but so the, I would say that that's my favorite part of that movie. So I'm gonna throw it over to Lawson, who has seen both these movies. Yeah, so at least you said we both watched the South Park movie. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I felt like I know they're kind of like they're sometimes kind of preachy as a show, and it seemed like the movie was like all about censorship, so they intentionally just like swore way, like, you know, unnecessarily too much for me, honestly. Not that I'm, like, against swearing, but a little too much. Um, to the point times that it wasn't funny, in my opinion. Um, you know, I think it's funny that these two movies are both involved armed conflict against Canada that are paired up against each other, which I think is pretty... I didn't even notice that. You're right. Well, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, with this, with this uh, bracket. Um, but, yeah, I thought there were some scenes where, like, you know, the Blame Canada song in South Park was really funny. Um... What would Brian Boitano do song was pretty funny. I like the Mr. Mackey song. I thought that was actually a really kind of clever song. It's easy, I'm gay. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was, Satan had a song that just reminded me of like, oh, this song could be in Book of Mormon so easily. Yeah. So it did kind of seem like they were almost like practicing for like, oh, here's kind of like, oh, this is interesting. Maybe we could do this for Book of Mormon. Um, so yeah, I thought it was a good movie. I don't know if like anyone is like, who's not a South Park fan would watch that movie and then, like, all of a sudden become a convert. I think there's better... I like South Park. I think it's a very funny show. Um, I think there's way better individual episodes than, like, the movie is as a whole. And I think the... It starts out pretty funny. I think the ending's a little bit weak. Um, another thing that I think is actually... I kind of enjoyed a little bit about it was... In the recent episodes of South Park, Randy is featured so much. Um, he's almost become, like, overused, in my opinion. And in that movie, I don't think he has a single speaking line, or maybe he has, like, one. I mean, he's not featured hardly at all. Very, very little, yeah. Yeah, so that was kind of like, I just noticed that. I was like, man, I haven't heard anything from Randy, so that was kind of nice. Um, so I think if you're a South Park fan, I think it's worth watching, um, and I think you'll enjoy it. If you're not a South Park fan, I wouldn't start with the movie as like, oh, let's, you know, get into South Park. Although, who isn't really watching South Park at this point? <laughs> um, Canadian Bacon... Uh, really, really funny movie. Um, you know, Michael Moore is, you know, like I said, his documentaries are, you know, to the left, I would say, dramatically. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, recently, he, like, 
urged Joe Biden to stay away from the um, cowardly middle. Um, he praised Kamala Harris because she thought she was like so progressive. He criticized the Tim Kaine pick back in 2016, for vice president, because he thought he was like he's like he's a pick towards the middle, and the middle no longer exists. So he just has like he's very much against moderation. He is, he wants to go towards the extremes. Um, but if you kind of keep that a little bit out of your head when you watch the movie, um, it is really, really funny. And he makes, you know, jokes about, he makes a lot of jokes about Canada, but it's also sort of praising Canada in a way. Um, John Candy's fantastic in it. Rhea Perlman, um, you know, just, just the whole, you know, crazy concept of the U S and Canada going to war, I think also just makes the movie very, very funny. So, um, Canadian Bacon, I think could go a little bit of ways in this in this tournament but we'll see i agree i i love all the praise for both of these two movies which are among my favorites of all time i also it's funny you did mention uh, uh blame canada uh robin williams did a cover of the song uh, where he kind of he got he, he uh he doesn't he doesn't do great but it's kind of funny to see rob two of my favorite comedies uh collide there with robin williams and blame canada and they actually lost out to phil collins at the oscars to uh, uh blame canada and they spoofed uh, Phil Collins really hard and as a revenge. So, as for the voting, this is tough for me. I love both of these movies. Uh, I guess if I have to choose those, South Park, Bigger, Longer, Uncut, would get my vote. Um, as I said, I haven't seen either one, but my vote's going to go for Canadian Bacon because I like a lot of those actors and actresses, and I'm excited to check it out. It would be more your style of movie, yeah. Yeah, but um, Mrs. Lawson is going to vote for... South Park, and I'm going to vote for Canadian Bacon. I don't know if this was mentioned earlier, but the Dan Aykroyd cameo in, in Canadian Bacon is hilarious, where he like makes them change the writing so it's in both English and, and in French, and yes. the, the French neighbors. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we got a tie. And we do, and it's not even close as a tiebreaker, and this makes me sad, uh, even though the movie I picked to vote wins. Uh, but South Park has a 7.7 out of 10, and Canadian Bacon only gets a 5.9 out of 10, which I think is grossly just egregious that Canadian wonder, Bacon... Yeah. You wonder, you wonder if, like, the anti-Michael Moore crowd it, is... It really could be. Spoiler alert. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. Uh, actually, of all the lists on, of, uh, Can- on IMDb, Canadian Bacon is the worst-rated movie on this entire list. Um, losing out to some others, which really disappoints me. So South Park does get the win. Oh, that yeah, was go, yeah. Go watch Canadian Bacon, and I think you'll find it better than a bunch of movies on the list. If if you don't know that it was done by Michael Moore, I think a lot of people would be like, "This is a really good movie." So moving on, uh, nineteen and twenty, we got Billy Madison versus Mystery Men. So Billy Madison uh, again, just Adam Sandler in his prime, uh, came out in nineteen ninety five. Um, you know, it has Bradley Whitford, you know, famous, obviously, for uh, West Wing. You have, uh, oh my gosh, I can't read my own writing. Bridget Wilson, Chris Farley's in there, Norm MacDonald. Um, De- uh, somebody, Gavin, sorry, I can't read my own handwriting. Um, but an interesting fact about this movie with Billy Madison is that in the dodgeball scene, when Adam Sandler hits the kids, 
with the dodgeballs, they had to cut away quickly because he was actually going full force and hurting the kids. They were crying after getting pegged by the dodgeballs. So I always saw when I watched that scene that he was using, you know, dummy balls or something, something that wouldn't hurt. But apparently he was really hurting those kids. And then obviously we have Mystery Men, which um, another uh, great movie with such an amazing cast. Uh, came out in 1999. You got Hank Azaria, Janine Garofalo, William H. Macy, Greg Kinnear, um, Ben Stiller, of course, Kel Mitchell, Jeffrey Rush, Eddie Izzard, uh, Paul Rubin, or Rugens. And a lot of people don't know this, but Dane Cook actually made his movie debut in that. He was the waffler in uh, Mystery Men. Um, but uh, an interesting trivia fact about this one is that at one point... Uh, ben Stiller argued so much with Greg Kinnear that he had he he had to walk off set. He refu- he almost quit, and apparently this was a common trend because the entire cast didn't get along. It, I think it was just too much talent on set, and they all argued about the comedic direction the movie should go in. And the movie's good, but I can almost now looking on this, I can kind of sense that there wasn't a lot of great chemistry among all these you know big name actors. Um, and it kind of shows through. I feel uh, another thing too. I was interested is uh, I guess they use a lot of the sets from one of the Batman movies um, on this one too. So again, both of these are great movies, um, and uh, I think I already know which way I'm going to vote. But I'm going to let everybody else say their piece first. Okay. So disclaimer: I have not seen Mystery Men. No. Oh. So I'm going to largely talk about Billy Madison right now. Um, Adam Sandler's mom is actually a preschool teacher. And this is, like, his fav- her favorite movie of his that he has done. And the kids... I know Scott Button said that he would hit the kids with the dodgeballs, but they also enjoyed playing with him and kind of, like, climbing on him and jumping on him, too. So he must have not hurt them too, too bad that they still liked him as a person. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> good, he lost. What time is it? Oh, we're good. Um... These are both my picks for movies that I wanted on the bracket, so I um, really like both of them. I'm kind of mad that they're both put against each other. Now you know how it feels. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I know. You just said, now I know how it feels, but I think they're both really great movies. Both have a lot of nostalgic, um, you know, a, a place in my heart for both these movies. Um, Billy Madison. I, we already said a lot about it, but, um, I like Steve Buscemi's character, even though he plays such a small role, he, like, saves the day, basically, at the end, where he, um, comes in with his, uh, shotgun and shoots, uh, Bradley Woodford. He's like, thank God I called that guy. (laughs) So, that's one of my, um, favorite parts. And just basically the whole tournament at the end, I think, is one of the greater parts of that movie. I think it's really funny. Um, just throwing it out there, because Billy Madison, like, starts hanging out with the kids in the class. Like, why was that allowed, and why were their parents not concerned? I feel like if my child was hanging out with an older gentleman, like, going through the school system, spending two weeks in each grade, I wouldn't let that happen. This so, just throwing it out there. <laughs> throwing it out there. It's the 90s. It was a simpler time. <laughs> Yeah, maybe so. Wouldn't happen today, but... And then Chris Farley makes a great cameo in that movie as well. Um, Mystery Men, I... 
you know, um, Mr. Lawson's going to disagree. I think this is a great movie, along with Scott Barnes. Um, another fun fact that we did not mention, the Smash Mouth song, All Star, actually you would think it was first featured in Shrek. It's actually first featured in this movie at the end, ending credits. So um, that's a, a great song, too, by Smash Mouth. And um, I really like... Jeffrey Rush's character, even though he plays like Casanova Frankenstein, he's supposed to be the bad guy. He's like a cool bad guy, and he like fights people with his pinky finger, so that was funny. Um, some other people that were not mentioned so far, CeeLo Green makes a appearance in this movie as one of the um, goody mob characters, and Michael Bay is also in this wow. movie. He plays a frat boy <laughs> where he asks Jeffrey Rush's character, Can We Bring the Brewskis? So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but great cast. Uh, a lot of, like, one-liners. Um, I won't go too much more into it. So Lawson can talk, but here's Lawson. That Steel Dream fact is very fun. I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Scott, I think, made a, a rare great point that um, I think there was, like I said, too much talent in this movie that they just didn't really mesh well together, and no one wanted to be, like, second. Um, this is a movie that I feel like if you wanted to date Mrs. Lawson back in the day, um, I think her parents required you to watch Mystery Men, because I think it's, like, almost like their family comedy. Um, it, it's just, it's okay. It's not my favorite movie. Um, Billy Madison, I think, is, is very funny, and I think it's honestly Adam Sandler's, to me, it's his second best movie after... Um, Happy Gilmore. Um, like you said, the, the tournament at the end is hilarious. Um, Bradley Whitford, who goes from being in the West Wing uh, to the, the villain in Billy Madison, uh, does a great job. Steve Buscemi's quick appearances. Um, yeah. The, the guy from the Christmas story. The guy from the Christmas story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Billy Madison's just, it's, it's one of those movies, that it's, it's on TV, and you just end up watching a little bit because it just makes you laugh. That is exactly right. And uh, so as we get into voting here, uh, I'm going to have to say I have to give the vote to Billy Madison. Uh, just overall, I think it's almost anybody who sees that kind of wishes they were a kid again. And if you can go back and do it differently, Adam Sandler does what you kind of would want to do is the big kid who's actually suddenly super popular and can push around the other people you don't like. And then, of course, you got McDoyle rules. So Billy Madison, in my opinion. Um, my vote is also for Billy Madison. Yeah, I'm going to pull Lawson from last week, and I'm going to vote for Mystery Men, just to give it a vote, because it deserves one vote, because it is an excellent movie. <laughs> for your Mystery Men take, you are awarded no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. That's Billy Madison. Oh, that's Billy Madison. I'm going to Billy Madison. As we, as we expected it to be. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, and uh, actually I will say thank you for the, uh, the uh, reluctant rare point to me and i do say a lot of stupid things and lawson always likes to point that movie out uh, give the quote from that that we're all stupider now for having heard that so we move along to number 21 versus 22 we have toy story versus she's all that uh toy story of course came out in 1995 and who doesn't know this movie i mean my i mean come on like everybody knows this movie from our age group uh i think you know, parents at the time will remember this movie too because you know you have some great names in there: Tom Hanks, Don Rickles, Annie Potts, uh, now famous for not only Ghostbusters but Young Sheldon. Uh, you got 
excuse me, did I say Tim Allen? I said Tim Allen. Wallace Shawn. Oh, Wallace Shawn and Annie Potts. They were together on Young Sheldon also. And then uh, Lori Metcalf. And uh, fun fact with Toy Story, apparently Billy Crystal was originally offered the voice of Buzz Lightyear. And he said no. But after the movie came out, he said this was the biggest mistake he ever made in his career. And when he was later offered the voice of Mike Zakowski and Monsters, Inc., Wazowski, he jumped on it before he even read the script. All he knew was animated Pixar movie, and he was in. And I think we can agree he did a great job in that movie. And then, of course, we have also She's All That, which came out in 1999. Uh, Pretty Prince Jr., Paul Walker of Fast and Furious fame, R.I.P., uh rachel what's her rachel lee cook mm-hmm. uh matthew lillard of course matthew lillard and uh freddie prince jr and everything together and then anna Paquin. Pac- thank you and this is based on a pygmy it's based on a pygmy play pygmalion uh i'm reading uh whatever mercy warren told me was the fun fact about this movie and that is what it is she's all that uh you know, I, I like Matthew Perry, uh, Matthew Lillard, <laughs> Matthew Lillard, and Freddie Prince Jr. together. Uh, they have great chemistry on set. Um, so you know, it's a solid movie. Um, but I think I already know which one I'm going to vote for. So she's all that was one of my picks simply because that's a movie I watched in the late '90s slash early 2000s. It's a movie that probably wouldn't get made today simply because of the standards they put on beauty. Like, it's one of those movies that, to be popular, she had to take off her glasses and put high te- high heels and a short dress on. So Spoofed hilariously, though, and not another teen movie with uh, Chris Evans. Sorry if I'm ruining that fact for anybody. Uh, that movie is better than She's All That, in my opinion. So, by today's standard, it's not a movie that would be made, and I don't agree with all the statements it makes. But it's one of those nostalgic movies. For me, the ending's happy when they play that, like, Kiss Me song, and they're kissing by the pool i mean that's an iconic scene so there's that i mean toy story when i was little it kind of freaked me out because i didn't like the baby head on those like silver things the walker things up in sid's attic oh, yeah that freaked me out as a child but now that i'm older i think i appreciate the movie more than it did when i was younger and i mean what can i say it set up a whole franchise with a strong sequel the third movie being strong yet a tearjerker, and the fourth one existing. <laughs> so, um, I mean, Toy Story is also a very, very solid movie that came out. It was the first of its kind, really. So, yeah, off to you, Goody. <laughs> Toy Story and She's All That, both movies of my childhood. Uh, Toy Story, I also heard that, uh, Scott Barnes, I also heard that same story about Billy Crystal on Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen. Billy Crystal was a guest on his show on Bravo, and I had never heard that before, so that was one of my fun facts, too. So I thought that was a fun fact. Um, That movie, like... Uh, Mercy said one of the first of its kind, one of the first Pixar animated comedy movies. Um, it had a mixture of adult and like child humor, which I thought was entertaining. Um, and another fun fact, Buzz, Buzz Lightyear was named after Buzz Aldrin. And so um, that makes a lot of sense since he is an astronaut. And um, 
she's all that. I do like the movie. Uh, do I agree that it's a comedy? No, but I like it. it I watched it a lot as a um, growing up. I think my favorite scene from that movie is the dance scene when they're all at prom and like ushers, like the DJ, and they're all like doing the same dance at the same time, like they choreographed it. So I think Usher is probably the coolest part of that movie and the dance scene. Um, did find Lainey for a main character to be kind of annoying, honestly. Um, even though she is like the main girl character, but still a solid movie. I do like the song at the end as well. And um, I agree with Mercy, it wouldn't hold up very well with these uh, changing times. So off to Lawson. Yeah, I've never seen She's All That. Probably not too surprisingly. Good song, Sixpence on the Richer. Uh, good, good, good one hit wonder there. Um, yeah, I said Toy Story is just kind of like fun for the whole family movie. Um, I remember playing like the Toy Story video game on like my Sega Genesis. Um, like I said, it, it spawned. I mean, actually, I think all four of those movies, I mean, especially the first three, I think are pretty good. Um, yeah. And just a mix, you know, classic Pixar mix of like funny, lighthearted, but then like, um, you know, pulls at the heartstrings at certain points. Um, so, yeah, Toy Story, one of the all time great, I think, um, you know, movies that kind of spans like the, for the kids and for the adults. Yeah, agreed. And uh, as we get into the voting here, I will say that there was one other movie that scored as low on IMDb as uh, Canadian Bacon, and it was She's All That. So I think we do see a little bit of the cancel culture coming into play, and it scored a 5.9 out of 10. I won't say the score for Toy Story in case he comes back up later for a tiebreaker, but it scored a lot higher. It really wasn't even close. So as we get into voting... Um, I, I got to give it to Toy Story. It is funny. It pulls to the heartstrings. And overall, uh, you know, she's all that. All of that is another Mercy War movie that uh, I didn't watch until I knew her. And it was good. I will say that it was good. It had some shock humor, too, that I didn't expect. Um, but overall, it is Toy Story. A few more facts about she's all that. The dance scene that Goody just mentioned was actually only added into the movie to make it run longer. So that was just kind of added in after the fact. And they're actually making a, a remake where a girl turns a guy into a prom king. But I'm going to throw a curveball in here and throw my, vo my vote for Toy Story as well. It's going to be a unanimous clean sleep for Toy Story. Toy Story. Sorry for crapping all over your movie pick. <laughs> It's still very like a nine, a good nineties movie. Oh, I, even I voted against my own picks. So. I was about to, I was about to say, wait, who who picked? She's all that. All that was that Lawson or Lady Lawson or that was Mercy? me. Okay, then I don't feel too bad. So I only got to live with you. Okay, as we get into the last pairing in this episode, um, remember after this one we do have some eight other great movies that haven't been uh, revealed yet, and so this isn't over yet. As we get into this final two pairings here. So you all want to stick around, but we end on a big heavyweight battle here. We got 23 American Pie versus 24 Groundhog Day. Again, two very different movies that are hysterical in their own rights. Uh, Groundhog Day, of course, um, you know, starred the great Bill Murray. It came out in 1993. It also had Chris Elliott, uh, uh, Bill Murray's brother, um, uh, Somebody, Murphy, Brian Doyle. We all know who it is. Um, and then, uh, oh my gosh, I cannot read my own writing. Andy 
McDowell, I believe, was the lady who played who's uh, the love interest in the movie. Uh, we also had directed by Harold Ramis. And unfortunately, too, this movie was so great, but it caused a rift between Ramis and Bill, and it basically ended their friendship, and they didn't actually reconcile until uh, Harold Ramis's death, um, up until his, he was on his deathbed, uh, which is pretty tragic that such a great movie caused such uh, tension between the two. But again, when you have two great minds like that, each thinking they know which way the movie should go, you know, these kind of things do happen. And then, of course, you got American Pie, which came out in 1999, was, again, a cultural phenomenon. I mean, this movie came out at just the perfect time. I remember when I was a kid, you know, around 10, 11 years old, and you're getting into girls for the first time, and you're, you know, you're starting to grow up, and all of a sudden you see that you can still act like an idiot and have fun and goof around when you're in your teenage years and high school and going on to college. Uh, this movie just kind of changed my life when it came out. It was just over-the-top funny and you have so many big names now that were just kids at the time uh chris klein jason biggs allison uh hannigan uh hannigan thank you from uh as you know uh, how i met your mother uh eugene levy tara reed thomas ian nicholas who's already been on this earlier uh sean william scott of course and eddie k thomas key thomas um it's funny this was uh sean william scott's first feature film in his debut, and he only got paid $8,000 to be in it. And he was Stifler, the Stiffmeister, who just took on that, I, I mean, that role and ran with it and became that character. You know, he's typecast forever, you know, as uh, Stifler. So, uh, two hilarious movies that are so different from each other. And uh, I will see what everybody says, because like a lot of other things here, I don't know what I'm going to vote. Okay, so I actually have seen both of these movies. As a former band member, this one time at band camp is a line that I have quoted frequently in my life because I have been to band camp eight times. So I do have a lot of stories from band camp and I'm able to start stories with that line and I do so on purpose. So that line is iconic for me. Um, Groundhog Day. Fun fact, Bill Murray was bit by the groundhog and had to get two rabies shots. So, I mean, I've seen most, actually, I lied. I've seen most of Groundhog Day. I haven't seen the ending, so nobody spoil it. But the parts <laughs> I have seen, I've really liked. <laughs> um, I have seen both of these movies, and American Pie, it's not, I mean, I've seen it. I saw it when it come out, came out. It's not my kind of movie, not my, as they quote, mercy cup of tea. So, um... I do think Eugene Levy is the best part of those movies and like that movie franchise. I think I'm a Eugene Levy fan, so I really like him as a person, as an actor. Um, I do really like Groundhog Day, though, and I'm still into my fun facts. Okay, um, some of my favorite quotes from the movie, obviously the Ned Ryerson quote. That's Ding. always fun to write the over and over and over again each day. And when Bill Murray says, it's Groundhog's Day, again, like just the tone that he puts on it. Also, the Jeopardy scene. I was doing some research on Groundhog's Day because I haven't seen it in a while. That's a really funny scene where he's like at the Ben breakfast and he's just like spewing the answers and everyone's just like amazed. <laughs> kind of like a scene that I had to think back like, that's a really good scene and funny. Um, I like how Bill Murray's brother plays the mayor in that movie. Um, I think that's a really fun fact. And also the scene where Chris Elliott, they're at the auction, 
and uh, Bill Murray gets auctioned for like thousands of dollars, and then Chris Elliott jumps up on stage and is expecting some cash to come like be auctioned off for a high price, and there's like no one interested. Like, uh, hey, Penny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, two good movies, two different movies. Uh, I think it's interesting that these got put against each other, uh, you know, randomly, but um, two two good movies in their own way. Yeah, these are these are two um, yeah very different movies from each other. Um, a lot of good parts already covered about Groundhog Day. Um, just the just the part where he tries to kill himself over and over again. I know as dark as that is, um, is pretty funny in this movie. And I also think it's kind of funny how like he tries to make this perfect date over and over again. And I think some guys can kind of like associate with this where, like you do everything right oh. and then you make like a little mistake and like it doesn't work out and like, I feel like that kind of happens in a few times oh yeah I, that, that's also pretty funny um, so yeah I, prime Bill Murray I'm a huge Bill Murray fan so um, love Groundhog's Day I mean it's something that again another movie that's not, it's on TV I'm watching it for a little for at least a little bit um, American Pie fun story for me i actually watched this with my dad my dad's like oh let's watch this movie american pie <laughs> so the eugene levy parts really hit home for me i like the awkwardness of some of the scenes with jason biggs and his dad played by eugene levy so um yeah very like raunchy teen comedy um you know definitely tries to make fun of like these most just excruciating situations you could be in um you guess it's stiff word i think is like you said is Really great in that movie. Um, I can't believe it wasn't paid more. That's a fun fact. Um, so two good movies that are paired off against each other here, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, and like you said, I think American Pie, I think almost every group of friends, you know, especially guys can relate in some way to that group. You almost, it represents everybody so well. Eddie K. Thomas, you know, um, you know, just the nerd, and then Jason Biggs, the awkward teenager who was uh, lost and growing up for all those out there. Like I said, I've known him for 20-plus years. He is the embodiment of Jason Biggs, and the fact that Eugene Levy was his dad in that is just, it's like, it was plagiarized from his life because that is the lost in childhood there uh, growing up. So, voting, though, it's weird. I keep saying it's weird. Another drinking game. Take a shot, everybody. Um I have to give it to Groundhog's Day. You know, Bill Murray in this is just, I think he was voted as one of the top 25 either comedic or just general characters in film all like all time. He's, he made that list. Um, I mean, just you like uh, Lawson said, you can watch that movie. You need to watch that movie when it's on. You have to stop what you're doing and watch that movie because it's just one of those great all-time movies. So Groundhog's Day, in my opinion. I'm going to tell you the story of why I didn't finish watching Groundhog's Day, and then I'll give you my vote. So I was watching Groundhog's Day. Scott Barnes has a thing against commercials. Yes. And the movie I was watching was on TV, and there was commercials, so he made me turn it off. So we can all blame Scott Barnes for me not seeing the end of how Groundhog's Day ends. But but that being said, my vote goes for Groundhog's Day. They were long commercials. It was getting annoying. (laughs) Uh, the Lawsons are both voting for Groundhog's Day. Not to take anything away from American Pie, because I think it would have beat some of these other movies on this list, but uh, like I said, Groundhog's Day is just... I, I mean, I think Bill Murray might be up there with one of his greatest One of his top three or four greatest movies, I think. And it's just a great movie overall. Agreed. Uh, he had a small role in Space Jam. 
But I was kidding. <laughs> um, thank you, everybody here. Remember, this episode is not over. We still have eight more movies that you don't know about that are coming up in a part two. Not sure how long after part two will come up, if it's going to be one day or a week. You'll have to stay tuned, but we look forward to your feedback. Remember, find us on round three on Facebook, on Twitter, at rd3productions at yahoo.com. Uh, oh, excuse me. I just pulled a stifler. I don't know what that meant. So... But thank you all for tuning in. We really enjoy doing this. We hope you enjoy listening to it. And we're having a lot of fun here. So everybody tune in next time. And take it away, whatever music we have to close out the show. Dying of thirst, trying to find an oasis. Finally paying for all the time that I've wasted. I said life is a race, but I was driving mistakes. See, the truth will shine a light on all your lies if you face it. And so that's why you might hate me. At a party, won't play this. If I tried to be basic. I will finally be famous. I could be crowned for a favor. I could be drowning in paper. I could have all the kingdoms of the world. I'm bowed on the Satan. Matthew 4 9, if you doubt what I'm saying. Matthew 6 6, keep it down while I'm praying. Revelation 1 9, I'm on.